There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. On this podcast, we share fundamentals we've discovered, the mistakes we've made, while self-educating, getting work, building businesses, and making money. We'll tell you how to make it happen. No degree needed. Welcome back, everybody. And I know for a fact that you want to get our newsletter because why would you not? So if you want to get degree-free job ideas, degree-free resources, degree-free news like companies that are rolling back degree requirements and other cool stuff that Ryan and I find, you are going to want to run, not walk over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up for that. So run on over and do that now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's get into today's episode. Today, we are going to be talking about how learning to sell can change your life. Oh boy, can it. This is something that we are very, very passionate about. I mean, as I mean, we'll talk about it in this episode, right? I mean, learning to sell changed our lives. Yeah, because it kind of branches, it sales, sales branches into everything. It comes across in the way that you, it's even like selling your idea, right? To a group of people to say, hey guys, we should do this. You know, hey folks, I think if we did it like this, right? So it comes it it comes into play getting buy-in for even getting a group of people to go to a certain restaurant that you want to go to, right? If you're trying to wrangle a group of your friends, like, okay, well, it has this, this, and this, so, and you know, and this is how far it is. So let's go on over there, right? That's sales in a, in a way, or getting someone to hire you. Just so many things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what a lot of people think about when they think of sales is they think of like sleazy salesmen. They think of Danny DeVito from Matilda. Right. They think of sales and a lot of people just have like a general allergy to sales, Mm -hmm. which, all right, that's fine. But, you know, to skip forward to the end, as you said already, once we've learned how to sell, we realize that everything is sales. And a lot of people do sales by in the way that I'm talking about it, by convincing people of things all the time and they just don't realize that's what they're doing. Right, exactly. So today we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of just going over stories of how we learn how to sell, our work background, how we learn sales and how we use sales to future our careers and how we use it today, right? Because it really affects everywhere of your life. It really does. So I guess a good place to start is when did you first learn how to sell, even though you didn't know that you were selling? Well, I think this one's pretty easy. So I started working um, I started working in the service industry when I was 16 and some change. So it was not my first job, but uh, it, was, it was my, I think, biggest job was working in a a restaurant with my brother actually. And I started waitressing. And so I started to sell, you know, upsell appetizers, upsell desserts, upsell bar drinks, because I was trying to get my check averages higher, right? Because when you're, when you just start working, especially in service industry, you're still learning the ropes. So you're all focused on the service aspect of it. But at most restaurants, like the tier of the one that I was working at, your, your check averages are the thing that make you tips, right? So if you, if you get them to 
a $60 check, you're much more likely to make money than if it stays at a $17 check. So, you know, I was just like, Hey, you know, this is the best, this is the best thing to go with this. And I, I was sincere in it, but that really taught me to, to sell, to sell good things, but also to sell in order to get check averages up. Cause that's when I was making more money. Yeah, definitely. And my experience is basically the same as well. I first learned how to sell without really knowing that I was selling at 18. I started in the restaurant industry at the same time as you did at 16. But in Hawaii, you can't serve alcohol and you can't serve alcohol until you're 18. And so the place that I worked at also had, there weren't, it wasn't a bar, it was a diner, but they had beer. And so that beer and wine. And so I couldn't be a server until I was 18. What's so funny is that in Georgia, when I turned 18, uh, I, I became a bartender because in Georgia, you can be a bartender before you can drink. Crazy, right? Yeah. I think you can do that in Hawaii too. Oh, can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty positive. Oh, they'll let you? I think so. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't know anymore. Interesting. I don't know anymore. I should call up some of my friends that are still that are still in the industry and doing that. And if you guys know, please correct me. Contact at degreefreeu.co, please. Tell us how wrong we are. Yes, I would. I love to. I love. I love it. <laughs> and so, but you know, what's interesting. I think about think about it now. I the way that I got that job, I started. So I, I started as a dishwasher when I was 16 years old mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to be a server because I knew that they made the most money in the entire restaurant, right? They probably made more than managers at the time. I'm pretty sure that they did. Mm. And even though I didn't, I wasn't 18 yet, I told them my goals. And so I started working on it until I was 18. I, you know, I worked my way from a dishwasher to a cook and then I had to get cashier experience. I did cashier. But anyway, when I turned 18, there was a long line of people in front of me. There was like six to eight people in front of me that were... To be servers? Right, to be servers. Mm. Exactly. This is not really relevant to the story, but I'll just tell that anyway. And there was about six to eight people in front of me to be a server. And it was all experience or seniority or however they made it. But when I turned 18, there was a spot open for a server. And it was on the graveyard shift. And they went down, they went down the list. They asked all the six to eight people who's willing to work graveyards, right? I mean, it was 10 to 6 a.m. in the morning. It was a 24-hour diner. And I was just like, I mean, when it got to me, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, I mean, it means I'm a server, right? Like, I, I just have to work those shifts. But if I need to, I can pick up regular money-making shifts. And they were like, yeah, you're, you'll be a server. I mean, that's not what you're going to be working. You're going to be working the whatever it was, the Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. But, and so those aren't even, one, those are dead hours. That's not even like the Saturday. That's not even the Friday, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's not like where you get the drunk people coming in. So you don't even get the party people. Right, exactly. Or the Saturday where you get the drunk people coming in, right? It's just, you just get the weekday weird people like me that is- That are awake at that time. Right, exactly. You just get the (laughs) weird people like me that that are awake. And so I was just like, yeah, I'll I'll do it. Sure. And so I ended up training. So I skipped all these people and they were all okay with it because- They didn't want to work that shift, I'm sure. They didn't want to work the graveyard. But they were asked. What is interesting, fast forward a few weeks after training, right before I finished training, somebody quit or something happened. There was an opening 
on the swing and the morning shifts at the restaurant as a surfer. Um, instead of asking somebody else, the first person on the list, if they wanted to do it, they asked me because I was trained, right? I was just coming out. I was just coming out of training and I was just like, yeah, sure. Right. And so I just totally skipped a line of eight people, six, eight people, whatever it was. And I became a server. Ah, because you were already trained. Right. And just by willing, by being willing to do what other people weren't willing to do. I was totally willing to work graveyard. Yeah. But it ended up, I never had to work one because the trainings were in the day too. Did the person who trained after you end up taking those graveyard shifts? Yeah, they did. They did. Interesting. Yep. I was wondering about that because I was like, huh, well, so someone still had to take those shifts, right? So whoever was in line after you or or rather in front of you. In front of me. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Right. And, you know, and and they were like, that's not fair. It's like, I don't know. You weren't like, you didn't want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm trained. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. They need somebody for the money making shifts. Right. right? Because they're busy because the restaurant itself is busy. Yeah. So why wait six weeks or four weeks to train to train you when I've been in the training program and I'm done? And then they're running short on the floor. Yeah, like, right. That so doesn't make any. Doesn't sense. make any sense. So they ju- it was just path of least resistance. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it just I just got the job by being willing to do what other people weren't willing to do. Hmm, that's yeah. a good lesson. Sorry, that was a super duper huge tangent. Good story though. Maybe we'll see. There's a lesson there. Maybe there's something. Something. I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, that is where I learned sales for the first time, mm. right? Same thing. Selling $6 eggs, selling- Check averages. Right. Selling $8 bowls of noodles, right? Right. Yep. Simon, for those that know what Simon is, ramen for other people. I was selling crab legs right. and lava cakes and hush puppies. Right. And then I did the, <laughs> then, then, you know, I graduated, I did the dining room server thing years later. Right, where I moved up to a medium chain restaurant and then I did the bartender thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you and I basically did the same thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. But then where did you learn, but where did you actually learn sales? Like when you knew it was sales? I, so my first, uh, I'll say degree required job. So my first job that I got that required a college degree or supposedly did, um, obviously, because it didn't. For those that are listening or not watching, she did the air quotes. Yes. Degree required jobs. If you guys are a regular listener. I usually do that with degree required jobs. We we all know that the... That that's that's not a thing. thing. (laughs) Unless you're an astronaut. (laughs) Um, uh, My first degree required job, air quotes, uh, was actually working at a nonprofit and um this one will probably rile some feathers um but a lot of people will say that nonprofits don't sell things that's not true every every entity that is trying to make money in any way is selling something um and sometimes even like anyone who's trying to get anything really which is everybody is selling something um maybe that's a pessimistic way to look at the world but i did see that in in the nonprofit world so what nonprofits are selling is they're selling tax benefits and they are selling the benefits of whatever work and mission that they do and the feeling that someone gets from donating to them to their donors that's what they're selling um and so what was interesting about that was it i got i was able to be as a fundraiser as a development representative you're able to be in a room with people who are who are able to give 
to to donate to the nonprofit that you're rep- representing. And so what it enabled me to do was realize that like breakdown tactics and I the the guy who was in charge of me, the d- the development director gave me books that you and I have talked about on this podcast. They they gave me uh he gave me the 22 immutable laws of marketing um and then uh there's another sales book that I already forgot the name of. Um but we'll try to remember it and put it in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, I'll try to remember it. I think it might have been another Jack Jack Trout. I'll rise. I'll rise, Reese, rise, rise, Reese. Yeah, it was another one of those. But he gave me those two books. And it's funny too, because at the time I like kicked up, I kicked up a big fuss about being given homework. <laughs> but I <laughs> like, ended up reading those books much later, realizing that at the entire time I was doing sales. Whereas while I was there, I was insistent that I wasn't doing sales, but that's exactly what I was doing. Um, and so what you're doing is you're listening to their, you're listening to their wants, to their needs. Um, and then you are marketing, you're selling the mission and the benefits of the nonprofit to the person who you're about to ask for money, basically. Um, and it was interesting because it was just more, the asks that I was making were just like more money than I'd ever thought of in my life. You know what I mean? It was just like a you know, just asking for the amount of money that I was asking for, like making that ask was sales. That's sales. That's a sales tactic. And if they say no, continuing to try to get past it is sales. That's a fundamental, that's just sales. That's all it is. Yeah. That, that whole, that whole experience with you. I remember that when you took that job and when you transition roles into that job, I remember you being insistent that that wasn't sales. And I was like, I was like looking at myself, I was thinking. Seems like, like sales. Seems like sales. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a mathematician or anything like that, but it seems like sales. Both you and the development director were correct about that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Who was wrong about that? Me. <laughs> I was. Right. <laughs> I also came out of that as, as an aside. I came out of that with viewing that oh, only only giving to nonprofits that feed people or heal people because nonprofits in general, just a whole, it's a whole thing. That's another thing we'll get into later. But, um, the second place, the place that I really learned it, I think was, um, working at a call center. Uh, I worked at a call center in the tourism industry selling timeshare, basically timeshare and activities. And that was just, just sales. That's all it was. Um, it was a combination of cold calling and inbound and inbound leads for activities. And you basically would just try to get them to go on a timeshare tour, or you'd try to sell them tours and activities. And it was really cool because that experience really helped me with like the no, with quickly connecting with people. And then I also found that um, as I was working, I was working on a team and there was one guy that was, man, he could just crank through the calls. Like he could take so many calls and he'd been working there for a long time and he was super professional and really good at what he did. Um, But, and you know, and they were like, yeah, he, you know, he's the best, blah, blah, blah. Cause he could just take, you know, he could take so many calls in a day and I was, my calls were taking much longer, but what I was doing was instead, I was like, I want to see if this works. And so what I started to do was focus on selling larger ticket items. So I would sell like, instead of selling two, you know, snorkeling tours for 40 bucks, I would try to sell them renting out the whole boat, right. For their, for their 12 person whatever. So they could go around the, you know, they can go around the island, they could do whatever. And doing that, I didn't find out until much later, but I ended up selling the most because I was doing that, which that's pure sales tactics, right? It's volume versus, versus, you know, quality. Volume. 
volume versus call volume versus sales volume right versus sales volume versus yeah versus dollar volume so yeah super interesting though i learned a lot doing that and also i was terrified to answer the phone as most millennials are anyone anyone who's afraid of answering the phone if you work at a call center for a few months you will be completely cured of fear of answering the phone um because you can't you you just can't but i hated 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 i cannot stress enough answering the phone when I started working at that call center. And by the end of it, it was like, I don't, I don't have issues with that anymore. <laughs> so highly, highly recommend if you're looking to get over a feel, fear of phone calls. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, before I kind of get into my background of how I learned sales, I want to talk about what, what your experience as a nonprofit fundraiser, as a nonprofit salesperson, basically, what it reminded me of is, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, but you have this friend that very nice person, but she went around and she sold people college. Yeah. Right. And she sold people some of, if not the most expensive thing ever in their life, the at least top two. Well, the, the, but she had no idea, but she had no idea. And the particular school she's selling for is like unbelievably, unbelievably costly. Right. And so it's like, I met her, we met up with her and I met her. I was like, oh, what do you do? And she's like, oh, you know, I just go around, give PowerPoint presentations to high school seniors and juniors and their parents and their parents and tell them about the benefits of going to this school. Right. And, and I'm just like, oh, right on. You're in sales. Like, awesome. Good job. And she was just like, no, like, no, no. She no. almost like physically recoiled. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm not in sales. And I'm just like. Yes, you are. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, buddy. I, I don't know how to tell you this. You are totally in sales. Not only that, you are in like the most expensive sales ever. Then, there's home sales and then there's you. Bummer for her though. She didn't realize that she was in sales. And then she'll, so they put her on salary because we knew that, uh, what is she making? 60 something thousand, 80,000, whatever. Something like whatever that. Whatever it yeah. was, even uh, it was less than six figures. And even if it was a little bit more than six figures, only a little bit, it wasn't nearly enough for what she did, which is travel the country and, and sell, sell a super expensive product. So expensive. Like, if you just realized this was sales, you would ask be able <laughs> to ask for, I mean, maybe not commission, but you'd be able to ask for a lot more. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. So everything sales, sorry. Everything is sales people. <laughs> so the way that I got into sales was from pretty much exactly your second point was, was I got in through timeshare sales and Ryan and I have a an undying uh un, an undying admiration for the hustle people that sell timeshare. Nobody can nobody. There is nobody. I don't think that can grind out sales like timeshare people. It's unbelievable. These guys, these guys, the people that I did timeshare sales with, well, the ones that I did too. They they are well. You don't know what I'm about to say. The people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> never the mind. The people. That I did timeshare sales with. <laughs> These guys were hardcore street hustlers. Street hustlers. <laughs> they were fueled by nothing but anger, cocaine, and fireball. Yep, that's accurate. Like these that's guys. Accurate. <laughs> these guys. They knew how to like club you over the head <laughs> and take your money, and you would just thank them all day. You'd be like, oh, th "Thank you so much." It was. It's people can. 
and and you it's hard to unless you see it up close and it's like they're the, but they were man they were good yeah man they were good and you know i remember yeah not the same for the people i worked with so you, <laughs> right well it was also different because you worked in a call center yeah right so you and i developed although we were selling very similar products you did a similar thing to me, but what I did was different than what you did. Yeah, because it was street selling. Right. So I actually stood out on the corner on the street and I tried to get you to come to a timeshare presentation. Yeah. And I had warm leads and I had inbound calls. Right. And I didn't have any of that. Yeah. I just stopped you. Yeah. I stopped you and I made you, I convinced you to do something that you didn't want to do. You know, do. like those guys in the, in the, th- those guys, those folks in the mall with the hair straighteners and the creams, the, that, that right. the stopping. Right. And we talked about that. We've talked about this at length before, so I won't go into, go into it too much, but I do remember when I first learned the seven steps of selling and you can just Google this. We'll, we'll put some, uh, resources in the show notes for you guys, degreesv.co and you guys can look over this stuff, but you know, the steps of selling are all pretty similar. They vary a little bit based off of what? what industry you're in and what you're selling, right? And who you're selling to. And who you're selling to. Yeah, yeah, sure, right? So I think the first step of selling in like the seven steps of selling is like discovery or something like that or preparation. Mm-hmm preparation or something like that but for so i'll just go over it real fast because you can read the articles that we're gonna we're gonna link in the show notes but you know the first one was the stop because i was out on the street right i didn't have inbound calls i didn't have any leads to call i wasn't given phone numbers or anything like that i had to physically stop people sometimes literally putting my body in front of their body in order to get get them to stop hey slow down right like god <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am, sir, do you believe in the Easter Bunny? Not a great hit rate on that one. Not a great hit rate on that one. Memorable though. But you would get somebody that stopped eventually, right? And usually usually it was a guy on that one. Usually, I'm looking for couples. And so usually the guy would turn around and he'd look back. He'd be like, no, man, I I saw believing in the Easter Bunny uh, about 20 years ago. And then like he engaged with me, I got him. So I get up from my stool and and I go chase after him. Right. I go chase after him and I'm just like his first mistake. <laughs> right. Exactly. Don't engage me. Don't just, talk to just you. Don't talk to me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go talk to you because you gave me an in. Right. Yep. And now we're going to now we're going to talk about the Easter Bunny. Yeah. And be like, why are you here? Let's talk about let's talk about why you're here. Let's talk about vacations. Let's talk about, and, let's oh, talk about no. how I can save you money on the vacations. Oh, no. Here we go. And, now, <laughs> and now it's done. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so the first thing is just getting them to stop. Yep. That was ours. The second part was discovery. Right. Asking questions. Right. And mind you, I remember when I learned this, I was, I was sitting down at a very cold and dank bar that I used to work at that. I just got fired from actually, that's a story for a different time. I just got fired from working behind that bar. Now you're sitting on the now other side I'm of sitting it. on the other side of it, maybe like the same week. And as one does. Right. It's the middle of the day. You can't tell because this bar is super dark. Like it is crazy. It dark. <laughs> it's crazy dark. It's like the bat cave in there. And my trainer is teaching me this and he's writing this down on a bar napkin. He's writing down the seven steps on a bar napkin and we're sharing a fireball whiskey while we're 
like well not sharing one together i mean we have separate you glasses each, that's good we have separate glasses We're sanitary not like, yeah exactly like it, i know it's a bar and uh, you know at one o'clock in the afternoon but have a little dignity. i think it was like 11 i think it was like 11 perfect man. good right exactly. <laughs> and and so you know he's teaching me the discovery right and so he's like you got to ask questions right that's that's our job our job is to ask questions to see what what their what their deal is and that leads us into the next step which is qualifying Qual, you know, right? We're for what we were looking for. We were looking for qualified candidates in order to come and do a timeshare presentation, right? I mean, it wasn't timeshare that we were selling, but similar. it's similar enough that that's what we're going to call it. And right, where I was looking, I was looking for couples. I was looking for people. So if I just if I just had a single, I would be like, you know, are you? If it's just a guy, I'd be like, oh, are you here with your? Are you here with your wife or your family here right now? And I'm just trying to qualify them the entire time, right? While I'm while I'm talking with them, and then he's like, "No, I'm you know actually I'm this is a solo trip for me. We didn't take solo men, so I just cut him loose. I'd be like, "Oh, okay, right on, awesome, right? Yeah, the, good trip. Yeah, have a good trip. See, and he'd be like, "No, no, but how about how about you help me get on the trolley? Be like, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> <laughs> then he just wanders around yeah. the rest of the day, never gets on the trolley at all. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god i know it's terrible but then the next the next uh step four was the pitch right and tell them what you got for them if they were qualified if you could tell them so mm-hmm. tell them about the timeshare tell them about how we already we already know how they vacation because i already asked them in the discovery we already know that they're married because i asked them already you know they go to the same place they right, do the same exa- things exactly. like so the product that you're selling makes sense for them because it actually you know there's they're like oh yeah this actually is a good product for you exactly or at least you tell them you're enough, a good fit for it. You tell them enough to get them interest, interested at that point. Right. Right. Because I wasn't, I'm not trying to close sales at the time. I'm just trying to agree. I'm just trying to have them agree to hear it, agree to hear a sales pitch later. Mm. So it's technically sales development or sales marketing, mm-hmm. but it's sales. Yeah. The next thing is going to be overcoming objections. For what I was selling, Overcoming objections was literally everything. I mean, that's for all sales, right? But I mean, no, but really, everything, right? I mean, there was so many reasons under the sun why you don't want us to give up two hours of your life, even though I'm going to give you $150 worth of free stuff, mm-hmm. right? I get it, right? But I had to hone in on those things and overcome those no's. Yep. Right. The, the basic things were going to be like money and time. Those were always, ah, it's too early. Oh, we don't have time. Yeah. We don't have time or I don't need the money. Right. Cause I was just trying to give you free stuff. I mean, not free. Mm -hmm. I was, you're going to pay with, you're not going to, you're going to pay with time for it with your time. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's overcoming objections. And some, some people, a trust is a big one. Right. And they're like, why would you give me something for free? Cause I just met you five minutes ago. Right. I just met you for five minutes, five minutes ago. Why why are you going to give me $200 worth of product for free? And like, that's a great question. Right. That's a great, that's a, and so that's their objection, right? They don't trust you. Mm -hmm. Like, look, I'm not giving you anything for free. You're going to pay with your time, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're going to pay with your time, but I, you don't have to buy anything. I just want you to sit there. I I just want you to sit there, Mm -hmm. which I really did. Actually, I don't care if you buy. Yeah. Right. Like I I got paid if you went Mm -hmm. and then I did make money if you bought, if you bought whatever. But your goal was to get, but for the most part, I just wanted wanted you to go in. Yeah. Right. It was a numbers game. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the next thing was going to be step six was closing, Right. So take their money. And then the, the last close, the next, the next one was following up, you know, so some people would, 
usually the the presentation was the very next day and so you got to make sure in a, in order for us to get paid we would have to make sure that they got there mm. right so our our follow up was okay well here's all the parking here's a parking situation where where are you staying let me call you an uber 7:30 be downstairs so we would we'd arrange an uber for them or something like that right oh. that's our version of follow up right in the morning we wait we wake up and we give our we give you know our couples a call and we say hey it's ryan from the timeshare company just making sure that you, making sure that you don't have any final questions before you go on your um you know your tour of the property or whatever no okay right on mm-hmm. right the uber will be downstairs at 7 30 yeah right and so we can go into another how to do sales later but i just wanted to talk about like how i learned it and you know the steps the steps of selling right for those that are for those that don't know anything about sales which i know a lot of a lot of a lot of people don't a lot of people don't right the 22 immutable laws of marketing is a good one right very the i we mentioned in the last episode and we can't mention it enough though how to win friends and influence people guys read this book i'm telling you it's a huge one you need to you know it's a small book it's a it's hugely important yeah influence robert cialdini that's a that's a really good one as well for me i don't know if i mentioned this last week or not but for me there's a book called getting past no and that was super helpful for that portion of my life the reason why is because like i said it was all objections and it was just trying it was just how to overcome them right and it, that, that book really really helped and there's another book called getting to yes but i feel that's more of a negotiation the, the subtitle i forget what it is they're both by william yuri and then i think he might have co-authors or whatever but those are those are super helpful getting past no for sales for me was super important right and there's links to all this in the show notes and everything that's so enough to remember it or anything mm-hmm. uh, degreefree.co so i guess moving on like I guess I want to know, like, how have you used sales after learning? Well, I think I think this applies to both of us. But after we after we learned how to sell, it breaks a lot of barriers. It breaks down a lot of fear barriers. I think you'd have to starting your own business, too. I mean, as well as asking for employment, but really starting your own business, because the hardest thing I think and I think a lot of people think this about starting a business is you have to sell stuff. A lot of people will say they want to start a business or I want to do this, but they don't, they are, they're too afraid to sell anything. Um, you know, they can't even take a dollar. They're too afraid to ask for a dollar from someone. And it's like, man, if you can't do that, you can't run a business because that's what a business, that's what a business is, right? A business is sales. And so for you and I, you know, that led to us starting our tattoo shop, right? That led to us starting our cosmetic tattoo shop and being able to sell face to face, you know, to a client. And that, was huge because that was really difficult and we were making big asks and we were making them often. And so I think that both of us, that experience of learning how to sell led directly into our tattoo shop being successful and growing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It definitely, what learning sales helped with for me was giving me confidence, right? I think that was a huge one. It was just that. The nose slide off easier too the nose do slide off easier especially when you're on the street man i mean you're you yeah. get to you come back 
you come back from eight hours of just standing on the street and you got told no like i don't know 200 times maybe you i i do want to say this like for people that are for people that are yeah struggling with like self-confidence or or just you know you need you need to learn how to be more bold it's hard to beat that type of experience right because most people don't get told no that many times in a day it's and you just have to like you just have to get in yourself and just go okay like gotta do it again tomorrow right? You like, you gotta, you gotta keep going. And eventually you get, you know, eventually you get a yes, right? Cause asking, asking the same question enough times, you'll get a yes eventually. Cause you'll figure out how to ask it in a way where you get a yes. Um, you know, it may take you a thousand times. It may take you 10,000 times, but you're eventually going to get a yes. And so for people that are wanting to learn how to overcome shyness or hesitancy or confidence issues, learning how to sell can really, really help with that. Yeah. Definitely. It definitely did with me at least. And so now I knew that I could sell something, right? Once I learned it formally, at least the process, I realized that I could take this skill and apply it to anything and everything else. I remember you saying to me at one point, you're like, I know that I can take this and I can always provide for my family with this because I can do, I can do anything with this. I remember you saying that to me and like, you know, that was that I remember that being a huge thing that came out of that experience too. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, and that's part of the reason why it changed our lives or my life. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, I, and that's something that we told our, our contractors when we were training them at our tattoo shop, at our cosmetic tattoo shop. Right. Like, a lot of, obviously you have to be good at the service that you provide, right? Any service, right? You have to be, you've got to be good at lawn care, right? I mean, if you're going to start a lawn care, if you're going to start a pet grooming business or whatever it is, you've got to, you've Your got to be good. You've got to know how to do it. Yeah. Right. And that's a whole beast in and of itself. Right. That being said, like you said, you have to know how to sell. Mm-hmm. And so when we were training our, when we were training our contractors to do it, the people that worked for us or with us, Rather, we, the majority of their training was like formal in front of us was sales because you can be great at the service, right? You can be great at it, but it doesn't matter if you're not selling anything. Well, and that's what I think it's, it's interesting that sales get such a bad rap, right? Because people think, I don't know if people just think that they'll just organically buy things without being sold them, right? But you'd never know a product was good unless you bought it. And that means that someone had to sell it to you. Someone, something, some process, some system sold it to you. Um, and it, it, it is interesting though that people, people like look down on it so much when realistically speaking, you don't know if a product or service is good unless you buy it. And in order to buy something, you have to be sold it. It's just, it's just the way, it's just the way of the world. Yeah. And so the last thing we want to talk about is how we use sales today. And like, I guess how it changed our lives, which we kind of talked about already, right? Learning sales completely changed the trajectory of our lives, right? I mean, to bring it back to that story of me learning sales, we had just been fired from our jobs. I got us fired. (laughs) Right, sure. And that's a story for another time. But, you know, we both got fired from our jobs as bartenders and I needed to learn a skill. Mm-hmm. right? I needed something and I learned how to sell and I was lucky enough and I put enough hard work in, you know, lucky quote unquote, you know, right, you know, that I picked up on it and I was able to make a living. 
out of it in a tight time because we didn't have money to be unemployed. No, no, we did not. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you'll find that once you learn the sales technique, it can be useful pretty much anywhere in your life. Well, branching off of, of what I said that Ryan told me about being able to, you know, he, he was like, I can, you know, I can provide for my family in any circumstance with, with this skill set. It, what that also comes with is a level of self-security. And I mean, not job security, self-security in that if you lose your job, but you know that you can sell your set of skills to another company, because that's really what employment is, right? That's what getting hired is. You will never not never, but you will be much less afraid of being out of work. So a good example is like right now, a bunch of te- like a bunch of tech layoffs are going on. Everybody's freaking out, you know, but the thing is, if you know how to market and sell your skill set to another company, you don't really have to worry about that. Cause if you lose your job, you'll just go, you'll just go sell your skills to a different, to a different employer. Yep. And I, that makes you much less afraid. Right. And obviously you can use the sales techniques in negotiations and things like that, right? Employment, but you can also use it in personal disputes, right? You kind of touched on that earlier. You can use that in, you know, if you're meeting somebody for the first time and you need something from quote, you know, you know, quote unquote, need something from them, you know, kind of using it to persuade them to help you out. Right. And it's not disingenuous. You just, you're trying to convince them. Yeah. And it's like the same example I use of the, of the restaurant of trying to sell a restaurant to a group of friends, right? It's a good restaurant. You want them to go and you have to be able to sell the benefit or the quality of the restaurant to this group of people to get everybody to go, oh yeah, let's go. Right. You know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to like, Hey, this is a good place. We should go. And it just helps to have these sort of skills in life. Yeah, definitely. And that's pretty much it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You know, we're super passionate about this. Hannah and I, I mean, sales, as you can already tell, and we've talked about it a few times, but we never really got this in depth with it about how it changed our lives. It really did change our lives. And we think that it can change yours too. Mm -hmm. We think that it can change everybody's. Yeah. And if you guys like this podcast and you guys want to support it, the best way that you guys can do that is by leaving a review anywhere you get your podcasts. I know an honest review would be awesome. If you guys need any links to the things that we talked about, you know, you can visit our website, degreefree.co pod slash podcast, and it'll, it'll pop right up. And then if you want to get a newsletter from Ryan and I, which of course you do, um, you can run on over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to get our degree free weekly newsletter. Yep. And I think that's it until next time, guys. Aloha.